playing tonight. Take your Bibles and turn to Acts 20. Acts chapter 20. This evening. Acts 20, verse 17 through 22. Acts 20, 17, and from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. When they were come to him, he said unto them, this is Paul, by the way, you know from the first day that I came into Asia after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befall me by the laying and weight of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Let's pray together, Lord. As we open your word tonight, Lord, as we think about this pattern of church work, Lord, I pray that we would follow your pattern. I pray we'd follow biblical patterns, not the trends of society, not the modes of popular culture. Lord, I pray that we would not seek, Lord, to deviate from your purpose, but Lord, that we would follow your pattern. Lord, as we open your word tonight, your perfect holy word, your, your book, your truth, which does not change, Lord, would you guide us in it, in all truth, by your spirit. Lord, I thank you for these dear folks, Lord, my family, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I pray you bless them for their faithfulness to you. Lord, I pray you minister to their needs, every one of them, particularly this evening. Lord, I thank you for the, the blessings of today. I thank you for the joys that we can share together. I thank you for the burdens that we can bear up underneath one another with and pray about. I thank you, Lord, that you're worthy of all of our praise and our worship. And Lord, tonight as we pause just for a bit on this evening, Lord, to open your book, I pray that we would see your pattern. We follow it. In your precious name we pray. Amen. How many of you this evening know how to sow? I don't see very many hands up tonight. One of the first dates that my wife and I ever had, she met me. We were supposed to go, was it Cracker Barrel? I think it was, praise God for Cracker Barrel. Hallelujah. I'd like to go to I we need a petition to open a Cracker Barrel in Edmonton. Uh, we, uh, we were meeting, the college took a bus to go to Cracker Barrel for breakfast. And I was supposed to meet her at a bench outside of the post office, I think. And on my way to the post office or getting ready that morning, I ripped a button off my shirt or off my coat. I don't remember which. And when she found me waiting on her on the bench, I was sewing the button on. That's why she married me. She found out I knew how to sew. And my grandmother was a seamstress. She was a quilter. 
and uh, she sold everything. My grandmother, not on her quilts, but everything else my grandmother sold, she put rickrack on. How many of you know what rickrack is? That little zigzag material, Miss Lois, she put that stuff on everything. But uh, she, was a, she was a seamstress, and uh, when I was a, a young boy, my grandmother taught me how to sew. Probably by the time I was eight or nine years old, I could sew. I learned how to, I believe, I learned how to crochet when I was a young boy, too. How many of you, you're shocked by this, I can tell tonight. But I decided I was going to crochet. Anybody ever crocheted before? That takes forever, doesn't it? I, I decided I was going to crochet a rug. Brother Gerald, I got started on this crochet work. I was going to crochet a rug, Miss Lois. Now, if you've ever crocheted before, which I haven't crocheted much, one of the important things about crochet work is, is the, the tension. Well, I was going to crochet a rug. How many of you know rugs are supposed to be flat? Well, as I was crocheting, it started to look like a bowl rather than a flat rug. And also, my, my attention deficit disorder kicked in. And when I got about this big, I decided that I didn't want to crochet anymore, or maybe this big. And uh, so I gave it to my, my other grandmother as a gift for Christmas, as a hat. Uh, but I, I didn't quite follow the pattern that I was meant to follow. I believe today that we're not quite, we don't quite follow the pattern that God's left for us. We've kind of gone off script. We kind of often get away from God's purpose and God's plan. And I want to take just share seven very simple truths from this passage. We're going to look at some other verses other than we just read. And I want to see some things about a pattern that we as believers in the local church ought to be following. We've got to get back on script. We've got to get back into the pattern, or we need to stay inside the boundaries of that pattern. Number one tonight, would you look with me at verses 21 and 22 again? The Bible says here, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Number one, a pattern of church work is we are to evangelize the lost. We're to evangelize the lost. Can I tell you, a local church is not a safe haven for believers to gather and secretly meet to uh, have camaraderie with alone. Rather, our purpose, the driving focus, and the pattern of the local church is to evangelize the lost. Can I tell you what would have happened in the first century had the churches in the first century, for instance, had the church in Ephesus, had it decided that it was going to go off script and go off its pattern and not evangelize the lost, there would have been no new believers added to the church. That means you and I would never have got the gospel. That means that the message of Christ would have died with that local church. 
Now, as believers, we understand God's word and God's plan, and we see it here. We see it over and over and over and over. We see it in the words of Christ uh, that we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We see it in his last words before he ascended into heaven, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth. So one of the great patterns, and a pattern that if we get away from, no longer do we have a local church, we have something totally different, like that rug that became a hat. We lose our focus and lose what we are if we are not evangelized in the lost world. You know, there's a couple of mindsets that lead there. There is a mindset that says, the only thing that matters is my relationship with Christ. The only thing that matters is, you know, me fellowshipping with my brothers and sisters in Christ, and that's it. And then we begin to look down upon the lost world. We begin to look at those who are not Christians as second-class citizens, as those who are not worthy of our time, not worthy uh, of our friendship, not worthy of our love, not worthy of our care, And shame on us when that happens. Shame on us. I love the fact that while Jesus walked this earth in flesh, one of the things he was most accused of and accused for by the religious crowd of the day was eating with sinners. They say, hey, how dare he go sit down with that wicked man? Can I tell you, Jesus was not sitting down with that wicked man because he wanted to be wicked. Jesus was not sitting down with a wicked man and having a meal with that wicked man because he agreed or wanted to commend his wickedness. Rather, he came to seek and to save that which is lost. Those of you that work in hospital settings and care facilities, some of you do. You know, when you go into a hospital, can I tell you what you find in hospitals normally? Sick people. I mean, how many of you, if you're feeling good, you're going to go to the hospital? Any of you? Nobody but our hypochondriacs. You're not going to go. Matter of fact, I don't even go to the hospital when I'm sick. Uh, There'll be plenty of time for that after I'm dead, Jim. Uh, I don't want to ever go to the hospital. Man, there's no way. If I ever go to the hospital, you better mark it down. Brother Bonnie, take off work. I'm going to be dead when you're going to have to come to my funeral. No, people that go to the hospital, they're sick. They go there because they, they need help. I've been to a hospital many times in my life. I've been hospitalized for pneumonia twice. Once when I was a baby, once when I was, I think, six, six years old. I've had one, two, three, four, four or five surgeries. Uh, I didn't have them in back alleys. I had them in hospitals. I went to hospital for that. Uh, I've broken... Five or six or seven bones, most of those times, not every time, most of the times I went to hospital. Now, I didn't go to the hospital and I didn't go and say, hey, I'm feeling really good today. Just thought I'd stop in and say hello. Does the doctor have time to go for coffee? Would the nurse like to have a chat about the weather? No, only if I'm sick. That's it. I go there because I'm seeking help. Can I tell you, 
as Christians, we ought to be going as Jesus did to those who need help. Those who need uh, the answer, which is the gospel. One of the patterns of the local church, as we see here in the book of Acts, we see Paul as he's getting ready to go and he's, he gathers these church leaders and uh, as God reminds them the purpose and the pattern, one of those things, and I believe the main thing is evangelizing the lost. Number two, look at verse 28. But that's not it. By the way, we're also guilty of doing that and saying, okay, I'm done. My work is done. I'm finished. But verse 28 tells us, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Number two, the pattern of church work is we are to enlighten, not only to evangelize the lost, but we are to enlighten our converts. We're to be discipling. Notice the words there, take heed to yourselves in verse 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to the flock. Now, what does that mean? There's a balance there. I am to be learning and growing in my relationship with Christ, I'm to be low, uh, learning and growing in my relationship with the Word of God, and at the same time that I am taking heed, I am to be teaching and feeding and helping those converts, those younger Christians, those that I can mentor, that you can mentor, that we can disciple to help them to where we are. When I was a boy, we had an apple tree in our backyard. Every year, a family of robins would build a nest in that tree. Every year, uh, they would have babies. There would be those little blue speckled eggs. Uh, I tasted one one year, Brother Chummy. They don't taste quite as good as the Cadbury mini eggs, but uh, a little runnier. But they'd have the little blue eggs, and eventually it would hatch, and it would be 95% head and 5% body, the little teeny baby robins. And as soon as they come out of the egg, ah! Just mouth open, sound like a preacher, uh, just screaming for food. And I would watch as a kid, you'd watch the mother robin and the father robin like all day long. They'd fly, grab a worm, fly back to the nest. They get the nest, they drop the worm, and then he starts screaming again, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Now, can I tell you that at some point during the day, that mother and father robin had to eat worms, had to feed themselves. Because if they did not, they would not have been able to continue feeding their young. One of the reasons we fail at this portion of the Great Commission and this pattern for the local church in enlightening our converts and discipling is because we fail in feeding ourselves as well. That's why the very first thing it says is take heed therefore to yourselves. We've got to be growing, but at the same time, Christian, your Christian life and your service for Christ is not just about you. I, I don't mind admitting this and saying it publicly, but we, we live in and we belong to and we make up a very selfish culture. 
most of your life and most of my life is about me and about you. That's it. Most of us, we live for ourselves. Now, we, we like to think of ourselves as not living for ourselves, but if we were really honest, it's all about us. Even when we live outside of our comfort zone for someone else, we only want to serve, we only want to minister, we only want to help someone else when it doesn't interfere with our schedule, when it doesn't interrupt what we want, when it doesn't mess up our plans. But we've got to get to that pattern of not only evangelizing uh, the lost, but also enlightening and discipling and growing and mentoring converts. And praise God, those of you here tonight that has somebody to help encourage you and disciple you and teach you the word of God and help you along in your Christian growth. By the way, we all needed that. We all need that still. And there's others that need us to be that person for them as that pattern for the local church. Number three, not only are we to evangelize the lost and enlighten our converts, but number three, look at verse 35. I've showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it's more blessed to give than receive. Number three, we're to encourage the troubled. We're to encourage the troubled. We live in a troubled society. We live in a day where there's trouble in every hand. We live in a day where every day of your life, most assuredly, you are coming in contact, maybe not directly, but somehow coming in contact indirectly with someone who is troubled. By the way, in the local church, when we gather on the Lord's Day on Sunday, our morning service, our evening service, we gather for a Bible study can I tell you, as we come together, as we share a prayer request on Wednesday night, it's very obvious we are dealing with some troubles. And as believers, we ought to be encouraging, encouraging the troubled, not discouraging. I had a young fellow who worked with me years ago. His mother just went to heaven a few weeks ago. He used to work for me when he was a teenager and he called me the kryptonite of self-esteem. He was a teenager, and I harassed him mercilessly. And uh, his name's Matt, and I love him. He's my brother. But I, I, I tormented that poor kid. I gave him such a hard time. He'd laugh every day. I told him the only reason I hired him was for comic relief. I told him he was useless, but I needed to laugh every day. But uh, he's, he's a good kid. But... He would joke about me harassing him, but honestly, if you ask him, he'd tell you, I encouraged him. I, we joked a bit, but I, every day I tried to find something, because he had never done what I was asking him to do, and everything that I had him do was something new. Every day I'd find something, and I'd say, hey, let me show you this. This is the way to do this. I tried to encourage him. Christian, it's really easy for us to want to kick somebody when they're down because, hey, <laughs> they're lower than me. Hey, I feel pretty good about myself. Or the world teaches us that. We feel pretty good about ourselves when we look around and go, yeah, I'm doing better than everybody is. But Christian, the pattern of the local church, the pattern of the early church 
is this. And it ought to be today in 2022 and almost 2023. We ought to be encouraging the troubled. Let me, let me help you keep your eyes watching. Be watching for somebody that's troubled, discouraged. Somebody that needs you to come up alongside of them and encourage them. Somebody that you can tell just needs a friend to love them. To say, hey, I'm glad to see you today. Hey, how was your week? Hey, anything I can do to help? May we encourage. Number four, look at verse 35 in our text. I've showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak. And to remember the words of Lord Jesus, more blessed to give and to receive. I want you to know, notice here uh, this matter of those who are laboring supporting the weak. I want you to realize there are those who are serving and then there are those who are not serving. The idea is not that there will be servers and receivers. The idea is that all of us would be serving. That supporting the weak is going to and helping one who is not serving, get involved in service. We ought to, if you will, number four then, enlist the unenlisted. When I was 18 years old, I went to Bible college. I only knew one person at the Bible college. It was a girl. Actually, I, take, I knew two girls that I worked with in a Christian camp summers before. They were from Indiana. I didn't know anybody else. I was seven and a half hours from home or seven hours from home, didn't know anybody, anything. All I knew is I was going to Bible college and I was going to serve the Lord. The first week I was there, I talked to this guy. His name was Aaron Hickson. He's in heaven now, I think. And Aaron said, hey, why don't you go visiting with me on my bus route this Saturday? And I said, whatever that is, Okay. Later that week, I ran into a guy. His name's John Francis. I'm hoping to have Brother Francis here with us this August in 2023. Brother Francis is the bus director at First Baptist Church, Hammond now. Brother Francis stopped me and my buddy Damon walking out of the college parking lot. And he said, hey, I want you guys to come and visit my bus route. And I said, hey, I said, I'm supposed to go with this guy named Aaron this Saturday. I said, but the next week I'm free. And uh, so the first week I was at Bible college, the first Saturday I went and visited him with a guy named Aaron. The next week I went and went out with Dr. John Francis and some men there. And you know why they invited me? It wasn't because they thought I was lonely and I needed somebody to have them to come along. They were looking to enlist me, Brother Mike. They were looking to put me to work. And it was less than four months later that Brother Francis called me in his office and said, Hey, I, I want you to be a bus captain. <laughs> I want to give you an area. You're going to, be, you're going to run a bus route. Uh, he enlisted me, put me in the service. About two years later, uh, the bus director at the time called me in and said, Hey, I need, you to be, I need to put you over about 10 bus routes and make you a division leader. 
I, I got busier and busier in the ministry as I got enlisted in a service, and I praise God for that. I, I carried a lot of balls in the air in ministry when I was in Bible college. And you can ask my wife, there was never a time, and I mean ever, never a time that someone enlisted me into ministry that I said, no, I can't do that. Now, maybe I should have done that. But I was happy to be enlisted and be a part of anything the Lord would use me to do. There were times as a, as a Bible college student that I was teaching an adult Sunday school class and preaching six to eight times every week of the world as a 21, 22, 23-year-old young man, 24, 25, actually 25, 26. I, I just, how? Because somebody said, hey, why don't you come with me? Hey, why don't you come and come with me as we go do this service? I praise God for our church. I praise God that we're having more and more opportunities for folks to serve. And part of that is I believe we ought to be enlisting folks into service. Every one of us ought to be serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of us ought to be seeking and looking for that opportunity and we ought to be looking and trying to, trying to see how we can get other people involved in service. Look, if you will, at verse 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them which are sanctified. Notice that commending to God. Look at verse 36. And when he had thus spoken, he yelled at them. I'm just seeing how many of you are looking at your Bibles. That's not what it says. It said, when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them. Can I tell you another pattern for church work here is to encompass with care. To encompass with care. We see here the Paul said, I commend you to God. In other words, I put you in God's care. You know, the safest place for you and for me is right in God's care. And then it tells, and I love this, the Bible says that he kneeled down with them and prayed. Paul, if you will, was gathering them, encompassing them in that care. May we truly care about one another. I, I have zero interest in any church politics around the world. If you know me well, you know that, you know that to be the case. Number one, I have no time or business with that. I'm a member of a local church. No other church matters uh, other than our local church. But I've never understood the idea of brothers and sisters in Christ desiring to cause one another harm. It makes no sense. Especially when our purpose, our pattern, is we're to care. Today I got to to hold little Zoe for a little bit. She wants to go home with me, but her parents won't let her. But uh, as I held little Zoe, I was watching around 
Uh, Brother Mark probably didn't realize it, but the whole time I was holding her, I'm watching every person that came near us, thinking, man, I got to make sure she doesn't get bumped or hit, because uh, I was holding precious cargo. Now, she smacked me in the head a bit later, and I dropped her and bounced her off the floor, but no, I, I, I wanted to make sure she was protected. She was okay. We all understand that, wanting to protect the weak. I remember my, my oldest niece, hard to believe now, but she's got a baby that's five months old now. But when she was a little baby, as a toddler, I watched as she was going down a set of stairs. By the way, the first stairs I ever fell down, most of you know I have trouble with stairs. The very first set of stairs I ever fell down, I fell down because I threw myself down them backwards to catch her. Because I wanted to protect her, I wanted to save her, I wanted to preserve her life. I wonder how many of us as Christians are willing to do whatever we can to protect, to protect and to encompass with care other believers. But sadly, too often, it's all about us being encompassed. We want someone to protect us. We, we, we want to make sure our rights aren't violated. We want to make sure our wants are met. We want to make sure that our needs are fulfilled. On the pattern of the local church, the pattern here of church work, as we see this meeting of the elders in the church, it was about encompassing the believers in care. When's the last time you prayed for a brother and sister in Christ? I don't mean we had a prayer request on Wednesday night and you said, oh Lord, bless Aunt Susie. I'm talking about when did you call out a brother or sister's name in prayer and say, Lord, would you bless them? Lord, would you protect them this week? God, would you be with their heart and their life, be with their family? We see Paul did that. Verse 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Notice that phrase, hath made you overseers. To feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Let me ask you a question tonight. Who does the church belong to? Jesus, right? It tells us very plainly in that verse, the local church was purchased with his own blood. He purchased it, it's his. It belongs to him. It's his. However, it says here in that same verse, to take heed to the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. When I was in high school, I... The end of my junior year of high school, my grade 11 year, I had enough credit, credits to graduate. But there was a couple of classes I was supposed to take still, and I, I wanted to just go to college, but uh, my parents wanted me to stay another year. And I only had to take a couple of credits my senior year of high school. I had to take Bible in grade 12 English, I think, and maybe... Anyway, I, I, I audited or not audited. I took correspondence for one of the courses. I only had to be at class, only at, at high school, my senior year. I think it was for until 10 o'clock in the morning. How many of you would like to go into high school just till 10 o'clock in the morning? That's what I had to do. Well, that summer before my senior year, I got a job at Long John Silver's. 
fast food fish and chips place. Uh, fish, chips, hush puppies, chicken. Miss Lois, what else they have there? Uh, probably salmonella and all kinds of other stuff. But I, I got a job as a there as a fast food worker, and I went to school when school started, and I worked a full time job. I think I averaged about fifty hours a week through my senior year working. But my dad decided it worked out better rather than them taking us to school and me back and forth. We had two vehicles. My mom had a Ford Crown Victoria, and my dad had an old Jeep Grand or Jeep Cherokee. And he entrusted that Jeep Cherokee to me. My mom and dad went to work. My dad would drop mom off for work, and then he would drive to the school where he taught, and they shared the vehicle. And then I would drive the Jeep. I would take my sister and two of our friends, the four of us. I would drive us to go to school. I would go to school for a couple hours. I would go to work and work late. Then I would come home, and I did that every day. Now, whenever the arrangement was made for me to be entrusted with the vehicle, the arrangement was that I paid for all the expenses. If I needed tires, I bought tires that year. Uh, when I had an accident, and I did because I was 18 years old, uh, I paid the $1,000 deductible. Uh, when I uh, needed gas or oil change, everything it needed. Now, I didn't own it, but I took care of it. It belonged to my mom and dad, but it was entrusted to me for about a year. And while it was entrusted to me, I cared for it. I worked a lot of hours. I came home one night about 11 o'clock at night. Everybody was in bed. My family didn't love me. They just went to bed and cared not whether I was okay or not. And I got home from work. How many of you know sometimes you get home from work and you can't go to sleep? You ever been there? You just got to gotta unwind a little bit. And I went and sat in the living room in the dark. And I'm like, man, what can I do? There's not much to do at 11 o'clock at night, 11.30 at night. And I remembered I needed to change the oil in my Jeep. So I went out in the front yard. I didn't need to jack it up because it was high enough. And I got an oil pan. I got my uh, crescent wrench. I got an oil filter wrench. I had my oil filter. I had my oil uh, in, the, in the porch light in the front yard. I propped, popped the hood up. And I was laying under the vehicle changing the oil at midnight. My mom woke up, as moms do sometimes. And she went in, looked in my room, and I wasn't in my room. Then she walked, Jim walked out, looked to see if the vehicle was there, and she saw me, just this much of me, sticking out from under the vehicle, and she screamed. I'm not sure how she thought I ran over myself, but she screamed as she saw just my legs sticking out from under a vehicle after midnight. And I said, Mom, I'm just changing oil. I was just taking care of what belonged to them that had been entrusted to me. Christian, can I tell you the church is not our church? It's definitely not the pastor's church. It's his. But as members, we are to care for that which is entrusted to us. 
we're to realize the value that he's entrusted us. Now, now, stay with me. We understand that we've been entrusted, but it should not stop there. As believers, as we are mentoring, as we are helping, as we are discipling, we should be entrusting others with the ministry. We have to. Otherwise, we die. Otherwise, the gospel stays here and never moves. So it has to be a constant growth of entrusting with responsibility, of letting go of responsibility, of getting others in that growth model. Just as God has entrusted us, we're to do the same as we see the pattern of local church. Look at verse 30. Actually, let's turn, look at verse, uh, verse 29 and 30. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Verse 31, therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one of you night and days with tears. Number seven, and lastly tonight, we need to evaluate our progress to see where we are. How many of you have ever had the privilege of traveling with small children on a long trip? How many of you have ever heard the words, Daddy, are we there yet? Or, Daddy, how much longer is it? Um, you just asked me two minutes ago, and I told you it was three hours and 50 minutes. Now it's three hours and 48 minutes. And then two minutes later, Daddy, how, how much farther is it? And then just, how, how, when are we going to be there? How much longer? They want to know where they're at. <laughs> they want to get there. So often we don't even care about where we're going. And we go the wrong way. When I first started Bible college, I shared about starting when I was 18. That's, that summer after, I think it was, or spring... My parents and my sister drove down to South Carolina. I have an aunt and uncle that lived there. We used to go there once in a while to visit. And they drove to South Carolina. Why they did this, I don't know. I think it was temporary insanity on my parents' part, probably early onset dementia. But uh, Miss Lois, at some point early on the trip, they let my sister drive. She was 18. She's 45 right now, and I still don't like to ride with her. But they let Robin drive. And my dad's in the front seat. He fell asleep, as most dads do when they're not driving. Amen. And my mom's in the back seat, and my sister's driving. And she's driving south of West Virginia, down through Virginia. And when you drive across Virginia, the interstate that goes south jogs in, I think it's 81, jogs in and becomes one with another highway that goes east-west across Virginia. 
And then as you go a little bit farther east, the highway that goes south turns off again and starts going south the rest of the way down. Well, my sister was driving on that stretch of highway. My dad's asleep. My mom's in the back seat. She has no sense of direction. My sister's driving. She's useless. And I didn't mean that. Uh, my dad wakes up, puts a seat up. Where are we? Now, this is before, you know, uh, most people had GPSs and all of that. They didn't have a smartphone. They didn't even have a cell phone. Uh, they probably, actually, at that point, my parents had probably never even seen a cell phone in person. And my dad's looking, and he's trying to figure out where they are, and he's looking at the exit signs, the numbers, and he realized my sister had driven like 50 miles past where she was supposed to go. So they had to turn around, <laughs> drive all the way back, and then start back down the highway they're supposed to go on. So they had almost a two-hour detour. Now, to be fair, my sister had never driven on the highway before. She'd never made that trip before. She had no turn-by-turn -turn GPS guidance like you do. She's just driving. She had no way of knowing where she was going. And because she had no way of knowing where she was going, she ended up the wrong place. There should have been somebody, my dad, who should have said, Robin, you need to turn right here. Monitoring progress. Can I tell you that as believers in Jesus Christ, as members of local church, we need to be careful. Why? Because the Bible tells us here there are grievous wolves. What's the, what's the purpose of the grievous wolves? It says not sparing the flock. The desire of the grievous wolves is to get the sheep, to get the sheep off course, to get the sheep to go the wrong direction. It says in verse 30, also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Christian, we better know this book. We better know this book so we can know. By the way, you weigh everything you hear behind this pulpit, whether it's for me or anyone else that ever stands behind this pulpit. You make sure it lines up with this book. You, you make sure. Why? Because the Bible says we need, to, we need to evaluate where we are, what's going on, because there are perverse men. There are those who would turn aside. There are those who would take the wrong exit. My grandmother used to make patchwork quilts, beautiful quilts. We have some that she made for us. She made one called a double, double wedding ring quilt. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's beautiful rings and, you know, it's all these different colors of material and all these, I mean, mountains of different colors. And, and she would set by the hours and sew those little pieces together. I've got in my office a couple of her thimbles that she was using when she died. One of those symbols has like 10 holes in it, and she was still using it. That's probably where I got some of my cheapness from. Uh, but she would sit by the hour sewing those little pieces of material together, and then 
creating all the little blocks and then sewing all the little blocks together. And after it was all together, uh, then she'd put it all together with the batting and the backing and, and uh, the binding around. And then she, then after all that's done, then you begin the quilting process around each of those pieces. A lot of work. Didn't happen by accident. If I lay out one of the quilts my grandmother made, you would understand that she didn't just say, okay, I'll take this piece and sew it here. Yeah, we'll grab this piece. No, 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 There's a lot of planning, a lot of working out of how it went together, a lot of making sure that everything fit and everything lined up. And then once it all fit, it had to be laid out again and it had to be shown perfectly because she followed a pattern. Today, we've basically, as a culture, said, we don't need the pattern. We got it. And can I tell you, we're in a mess. We're in a mess. As local church, I want to make sure that we stay inside the pattern God has in that book. I want to make sure that we don't discard it, but we revere it. That we hold it up as our only, only source of truth as our only outline and boundary of God's purpose. And that we evangelize the lost. That we enlighten, that we disciple our converts, that we encourage the troubled, enlist the unenlisted. That we encompass with care those that are hurting, that we entrust with responsibility, understand that trust from God to us as well as passing that responsibility and that we pay attention to where we are. Years ago, the first time I made a trip on the highway by myself, I was driving a 1961 Ford Country sedan wagon. I was driving from Indiana to West Virginia. Now, I had in my, in my possession a Rand McNally map. How many of you know what a Rand McNally map is? Big giant map book. Had all the highways, all the roads, all the towns on it. I got... In the car, I didn't, I didn't lay the map open. I got out, and I knew where the highway was. I started heading south on Interstate 65. And I knew that on the way to where I was going, I passed through Indianapolis. So I went, I got to go to Indianapolis. When I got to Indianapolis, I saw a sign that said Columbus. And I thought, well, I got to go towards Columbus. I took that highway, Highway 70. And at some point along the way, I realized I had to turn off of that highway. I had to turn off down towards Dayton, Ohio. And I had to go down and find Route 35 and then drive down Route 35 through Ohio and into West Virginia. At some point on that trip, I turned to my buddy, Alex, who was with me. I said, hey, grab the map. I said, Op open to Ohio. I said, let's, let's look and see where we are. I said, let's make sure. I don't want to miss the turn. I want to make sure I know where we are. We only had to look once. But I wanted to make sure we knew where we were going. Christian, we need to make sure we're looking, paying attention, going the right direction. And I praise God, I believe we are. But I want to make sure we stay that way. I want to make sure we keep the roadmap open and follow him. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Lord, for giving us your word. 
Lord, I'm sure glad that we don't create the pattern. And Lord, I pray you'd help us. God, help us not to throw away your pattern. God, help us not to follow the trend of culture. Lord, to look at the emerging church pattern and say, oh, that must be the way to go. That must be the direction we should lean. Rather, may we see your church pattern from Scripture. God, may we do a better job this week of reaching the lost than we did last week. May we tell more people this week about your love than we did this week. Lord, I pray there will be more members of this local church involved in sharing Christ with others this week than there was last week. Lord, I pray that our ministry this week would be more effective in reaching the lost. Lord, I pray that we would realize the importance of making sure we are growing as well as helping others to grow. God, help us as we grow in our ministry of discipleship and mentoring Lord, to enlighten our converts. Lord, I thank you for those here tonight that encourage my heart. I thank you for the spirit of encouragement, Lord, and love that we find here in this place. God, I pray that would always be the case. God, help us this week to be watching. Lord, to be looking for that one that needs encouragement, that one that needs an encouraging word. Lord, may we lift them. Lord, I pray you'd help all of us to be busy in your service. God, help us not to have a consumer mentality when it comes to ministry. God, may we all be enlisted. And Lord, may, that, may we be looking to help others to find a way to be enlisted, to be involved in ministry. Lord, we confess tonight. Lord, I confess tonight that so often, my focus is me. Lord, so often we're selfish. So often we're concerned about us. God, would you help us to learn to encompass with care others, to pray for others. Lord, to realize that we can entrust others to you. Lord, as we realize tonight that the church is not ours, it's yours. The local church purchased with your blood. Lord, you've entrusted with us some measure of care, some measure of responsibility. Lord, help us not to look at that responsibility as something that belongs to us. God, may we realize our responsibility to you. And Lord, may we be encouraged to help others. To be not only enlisted in service, but Lord, to help them to grow into more responsibility. Lord, as we seek to grow your purpose and your will. Lord, help us not to be aimless. God, help us not to go off course. God, help us not to drift at sea. God, help us not to be deceived by grievous wolves or by wicked men. But God, may we open the roadmap of the word of God. May we see where we are. May we see where we ought to be. And may we follow your book, your plan to get there. God, help us to evaluate, to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Lord, I pray you bless us tonight. Lord, I pray you'd help us as believers just to get 
on board with your purpose and your plan. God, help us as a local church. God, help us to stay inside the boundaries. Help us to fulfill your purpose. Help us not to create a new pattern, but God, help us to get inside of yours. Bless us now. Lord, I pray you'd be with us in this time of invitation. Lord, as we pause to respond to your word, Lord, may you be glorified. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Would you stand together with us, brother? Lead us in a song, if you will. All right, let's stand together. We'll sing number 296, Lord, I'm Coming Home, hymn number 296. pray together lord thank you lord for your great love for us how wonderful it is how exciting lord that we get to be involved in your business the greatest business in all the world your church your purpose for us being here rather than being in heaven right now lord i pray that we'd follow your pattern lord thank you for these dear Believers gathered here tonight, those that love you, those that seek and want to do your will, those that are so faithful, Lord, I pray you'd bless them. God, help us to grow, help us to do more, help us to stay in our lane, help us to follow your pattern. Bless us now, in your precious name we pray, amen.